Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Generational talent in Juan Soto for two and a half years of control. You look at the Cardinals organization, and Kyle, you know as well as anyone what is in that particular system. Did you feel like if the Cardinals wanted to go all in like the Padres did for Soto, they would have been able to put forth the prospects to truly get Juan Soto in St. Louis? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I would say, and it's something, uh, a drum I've been beating for a while, that the Cardinals are uniquely positioned to be able to give maybe, you know, five of their top 10 prospects and not hurt, not completely cripple their long-term projections as a competitive team, uh, but also supplement the major league team to continue to be competitive in the near future. Uh, The Cardinals also have a unique situation that it also depends on what the other organization, you know, whether it be the Nationals for Soto or another organization, what they're looking for, they have a lot of prospects that fit a lot of different needs and a lot of different wants. Where they are deficient is on the pitching side uh, of their minor league organization, which is so counter to what the Cardinals have been for so many years, right? They For a while, they always had top-notch pitching, and they had a lot of trouble developing hitters, mm-hmm. and that's definitely flipped on its head. So uh, for me, when I look back, you know, uh, I, I saw that there might be an issue – even though the Cardinals have Matthew Libertor and Gordon Graceffo, Markevian, Tink Hens, uh, some other really intriguing arms, Michael McGreevy, uh, I was always worried that they didn't have the arms to pull off this kind of deal. And I don't know if that, or, that played in or not. You know, I don't have any insider information. I, I know that John Mazalak, the Cardinals' uh, president of baseball operations, in, a, in the way that he speaks, he was very candid uh, over the weekend without naming Soda, without naming the Nationals, as saying – you know, that was something that they were looking into. It was a unique – he was talking about unique situations. And it definitely – he was definitely talking about Juan Soto, Soto and the pursuit of Juan Soto. So they were in it. But it was obviously beyond their comfort level uh, because I firmly believe that it was something that, that excited the Cardinals' front office. And they tend to be more aggressive when they're excited about things. So I w- my guess is that the Padres were probably asking not just for the top of the Cardinals – um, farm system, the kids who have not made a major league debut, but probably in addition to some of those those top of the line prospects, they were probably asking for some of the younger players on the Cardinals' uh, 26-man roster that are at this point vital to the Cardinals' current success and their long-term outlook. Kyle, as you know, fans are emotional. They sometimes just don't understand what goes into these trades and. With Soto going to San Diego, there were a lot of St. Louis fans throwing up their arms. John Mosaloc doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Now, I'm the type that tries to be a little more rational because, you know what, maybe the Nationals don't look at Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn and Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman the way that we do or other organizations do. That's a possibility. But I will say this. I do understand Cardinal fans being frustrated from this standpoint. Now, I'm leaving out some names, but three names that come off the top of my head in the last three, four years at the deadline, the Cardinals have inquired. 
and that would be Tony Singrani, J.A. Happ, and John Lester. Now, Happ and Lester helped them, but you talk about picking up off the scrap heap. That's kind of what they've done. They've not really made a big impact deal, and you can maybe correct me, but the lackey deal no. might be the last one for Kelly and Craig. So do you understand at least that frustration for Cardinal fans that we always hear about, well, we've got stuff we can do at the deadline, but nothing ever seems to happen? No, I, I share those same frustrations. You know, uh, that's kind of been – I guess the, we'll start by saying that is, that's more than warranted. Those are frustrations that I share. I think that, uh, you know, especially the trade deadline, like I'm one of these people that I think teams maybe go overboard in the offseason being aggressive. Yeah. And I think the Major League Baseball season is so long that I tend to be one of these guys who, like, when the Cardinals signed Steven Matz, even though I knew they needed more pitching depth, more pitching help, like, I was, I was fine with it because I understand that it almost benefits you in a way if you have a farm system to be a little shorthanded because then you can use some of your minor leaguer guys. You can get some of the minor leaguers up. You can give them a chance. You can see what they have, and maybe you, you get something really good. And also, like, it gives you a chance to be aggressive, to mm. pivot, maybe get a hot hand within the season. And I think that's just as important. I think it's important to have options, to keep your options open. And sure, maybe everything turns out right. Uh, and then you don't have to get aggressive. But so, so what I think uh, to, to this point is I think that my main issue with what the Cardinals have done so far in the last like four or five years is they haven't been aggressive, specifically as we approach the trade deadline. Uh, you know, last year they were very candid about saying the Hap and Lester moves were just about they, they needed people to fill innings. They, they still had two months left in the season and they needed to fill innings and they needed people who threw strikes. And it worked out as good for them as those type of moves could ever, ever turn out. I, I do think this year, while Quintana and Jordan Montgomery are are not the – like, they're not Rodon. They're not Castillo. Um, they're, they're two very solid pitchers. They're a huge upgrade over Hap and Lester last year. And I think that, that those are actually two relatively yep. aggressive moves. Uh, but I, I do understand, like, I try to be as – level-headed when it comes to all of this. You know, I try I try to hear the fan inside of me. I try to hear the wannabe front office executive inside <laughs> of me. And, uh, and I, I try to, like, I try to have that internal argument uh, go on within me and then find the rationale. And because of that, like, I am, I am secretly, internally, very disappointed that they did not trade for Juan Soto. I, I am heartbroken. I, everything that people complain about is right generational talent it's hard to pass up on him uh you know even even if jordan walker uh hits his 99 percentile outcome if he gets as close to his ceiling as he possibly can we know that that probably means he's never he's still not going to be juan soto because that's how good juan soto is he could be a top five percent baseball player in the league in two years and he's still not juan soto uh so like i understand that i get it but i also know a baseball maybe more so than any other sport is a game built on a team that is a sum of their parts and the cardinals in particular need the influx of talent from the minor leagues in order to stay competitive and you know competitive is a tough it's a tough word for cardinal fans because we've been competitive for a long time without like reaching the the promised land or the finish line and even the last time they were in the national league uh, Mm -hmm. championship series did it got steamrolled by those nationals in Juan Soto. <laughs> so there's it's 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 a tough balance. But the thing that I've been trying to like condition myself to is every 
we can have all of these things at once. Like all of these conversations can happen at once. Like all of these things can be true. And like, that's what I love about baseball is the nuance of it all. So I, I do think, I think they missed an opportunity not trading for Juan Soto. Uh, I think they made a smart move. If indeed it was like, if the nationals were saying, look, we're not coming off of Carlson and Gorman and Walker and Wynn, and then mm-hmm. maybe someone else, like all of these things are true, even though they feel like con- they feel like they're contradicting each other. So yeah, look, I, I completely understand the fan sentiment. Uh, it, it is a bummer. It would have been awesome to see him as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. And now uh, you look ahead and you say, well, use some of these prospects, especially some of this outfield depth, before you run out of the outfield depth. And maybe in the offseason, uh, go out and get a pitcher that can actually help you in the long term. Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm pro doing what's best for the organization in the long run. I am anti-prospect hoarding, yeah. and the Cardinals have gotten themselves in trouble for years now mm-hmm. with their outfield prospect hoarding in general. So I, I just hope they learn from that and adjust on the fly. He is Kyle Reese talking about the Cardinals system, birdsontheblack.com. So Jordan Walker is a guy that when I was broadcasting the South Bend Cub games, I saw him for three games at Four Winds Field, and he and Wynn I watched very closely in batting practice, and I'm not afraid to say this. I think – since I was a broadcaster from 2015 to 2021, the three guys who were totally different than everybody else in batting practice, that sound of the ball coming off the bat that was different, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Aloy Jimenez, and Jordan Walker. And Walker, of course, is the top prospect in the Cardinal system. When you have Nolan Arenado and you have a couple of third basemen in your minor league system, well, Nolan Gorman is now working at second base, and now we find out that Jordan Walker has moved to the outfield at Double A Springfield. Simply put, why is he going to be a highly successful major league player, and what has you concerned that he may not fulfill all this promise? It's you know, with him, it's all about what's between the ears. He's an intelligent young man. He he understands baseball. You know what he and Mason Wynn have are, and it's present right away. Are those baseball instincts? They have them on the diamond, running, you know, running around the baseball, the base pass. They have them in the field. You know, even if sometimes like at third base when, and you know, when Jordan Walker was playing third base and he's probably still going to get reps there, but you know, he throw the ball away a little bit, but Mm -hmm. he, they have that innate sense. And those guys always get the most of their talent. And, you know, Mason Wynn is a different type of athlete uh, than, than Jordan Walker is. But I think a lot of times you see somebody who's six foot five and tall and built and you think oh that's you know we've seen a lot of evaluators on the national scale give him like a below average runner grade or mm-hmm. an average at best runner grade declining and that is a fallacy that all of that is it's 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 based on projections it's not based on what you're actually seeing so he's he's an athlete who uh has innate baseball instincts and like all of that makes me believe that he'll get as close to maxing out his potential as possible for me, the only thing I'm worried about is, and I think he's gonna end up. I think he's gonna end up being exactly what the Cardinals want him to be. I think he's gonna end up being what the fan base wants him to be. I just think, you know, nowadays it seems like prospects get rushed more than ever. Uh, so I think I think he's you know a, probably a couple weeks away from AAA, if not at AAA to start next year. And he's still only 20. He'll be 21 at the midpoint of next year. And for me, it's just a matter of how he continues to adjust his approach and jump on pitches he can do stuff with uh, and how that translates from a power slug perspective. You know, 
there, there's also a misconception about the type of hitter he is. We've seen a lot of people say that he's an average, like he has an average or below average hit tool and uh, an above average power tool. Well, because because of like the the because of the trek he's been on to get to Double A and the trek he's on to get to the majors, he's more of a hitter than he is a power hitter. So it's just a matter of how he continues to adapt his approach to maximize his power. And there is, like, I guess the thing that has me worried the most is he's a big kid, and sometimes he's a little, he's a little slow on pitches down in the zone, uh, specifically fastballs, and sometimes he, he stands there and stares at him a little bit. Hmm. But we've seen him adapt to that already a little bit better. But, he, you know, I, for me it's just a matter of, like, giving him time to catch up to the expectations. It's the same kind of thing that Cardinal fans are dealing with with Dylan Carlson. You know, Dylan Carlson makes his major league debut in 2020 in that 60 games shortened season uh, after having like 130 plate appearances at AAA. And it just, it takes a while for somebody that young. And, you know, Jordan Walker has like a third of the minor league at bats uh, that, that Dylan Carlson had when he made his debut. But it, it takes somebody that young a little bit of extra time other than unless you're Juan Soto and it doesn't, but, uh, or Mike Trout or, or, yeah. you know, some of the, some of the elite elite players, but it just takes a while for somebody to actually get their legs underneath them and adjust to the major league games of how difficult and how much further advanced it is in both double A and even triple A. So I just, I hope he gets the time and I hope he doesn't put too much pressure on himself. Yeah. And I don't think he will to produce to superstar level right out of the gate. When I ask about one more player, and that is Mason Wynn, shortstop, double-A, Springfield right now. Heard an interview in the St. Louis market a few days ago as they had ESPN's Kyla McDaniel on, and he made reference that Wynn was kind of a guy that maybe was in the top 150 area for prospects currently in Major League Baseball at the start of the year, but all of a sudden, McDaniel said he is right now a top 20 prospect in all of minor league baseball. So he has made a big time jump even since I saw him play South Bend last year. Considering he is a shortstop and the uncertainty of Paul DeYoung can turn things around offensively, can you argue because of position, Mason Wynn is every bit as important to develop as Jordan Walker? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think for the Cardinals, and this is kind of the conundrum that they find themselves in almost always, is they need they need everyone to develop uh, as well as they possibly can. And they've done a great job with the hitting prospect. I think sometimes we look at the shortstop position or the catcher position. Uh, you know, I think you could probably argue what they need more than anything is one of their minor league catchers to take a huge step forward. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Mason Wynn is important. Uh, his ability to play short is important. But we also just saw Tommy Edmond play a really, really effective shortstop for the Cardinals while Paul DeYoung was out. For me, you know, not to put too much pressure on another 22-year-old, but <laughs> what ends up happening with with Avon Herrera, I think is probably just as important, if not substantially more important for the St. Louis Cardinals' uh, long-term sustainability as maybe any other prospect that they have. But that's not to take away from how elite and how special Mason Wynn has the chance of being. Uh, all of the electric things that he can do on the diamond. You know, he's, he, he has, and he's so, like, infectious. Uh, you know, the Cardinals just traded Harrison Bader, and one of the reasons that it kind of hurts the Cardinals clubhouse is how much energy he yeah. has. Well, Mason Wynn is that times two. I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> the, the, the most amazing thing, like, the biggest compliment is Mason Wynn's a 19-year-old uh, last year, and 
all of like the the 24 25 college yeah college graduates like love him they they love being around him and you don't hear that too often like he's just such an infectious kid and he he takes it seriously uh when it's time to take it seriously and he's light when it's time to take it when it's time to take it light so and he does so much so many star-studded things on the diamond whether he's diving around or that that electric arm or uh, stealing bases or going first to third when he shouldn't, but he's safe by a mile. Uh, he's, he just does so many amazing and fun things on the diamond that uh, I, I think his development might be more important for Cardinals fans than, than for the actual organization okay. because he is, he is every bit as exciting of a prospect as I've ever followed it, that the Cardinals hmm. have possessed in the minor leagues. So let's wrap it up with this. I started with the fact Cub fans are wondering during their rebuild, how far do they have to come to get back to the top of the NL Central? They are well behind the Brewers and the Cardinals right now. Again, talking to someone in the Brewers system, they feel like they're going to be better in the next two years. Do you feel like the Cubs are going to have to go even further to catch the Cardinals? Are they going to be better in two years than they are right now? It just comes down to pitching. I I, I would say that the Cardinals are on a trek to definitely be better in the next two years than they are right now. But they need to figure out something with the pitching. The, the Cooper Jerpy, their first-round draft pick, you know, I think he's on a fast track to the majors. The Cardinals have been pretty forward about that. I think he's going to be an important cog, his health and his continued development. But I, I definitely am worried about their, their long-term pitching. And I know that that's something that Cubs fans in particular can sympathize with because the difference in between having that Cubs dynasty that even I thought was coming and not was yeah. just how the pitching stalled out. So – uh, I think that I think it's all there. I think they have the pieces to supplement the rotation, to supplement the bullpen, uh, to supplement the pitching staff if they need to. I think they have some key pieces within the organization that can also do that, um, specifically Markevian Hentz and Gordon Graceffo. But my area of concern is that there needs to be um, a, a real – they really need to address the starting pitching. Yeah. and for the long term and without that i i don't necessarily think that it's going to be so much better uh just more of the same probably i better let you go because your twitter followers have a lot to talk about right now with palante and hudson i see they're starting <laughs> to tweet at you so you got a lot of answering to do i think this evening as the cardinals try to figure out their starting rotation who's going to be in the bullpen and they're trying to make a push to get back into the postseason. And, Kyle, for Cardinal fans and our listening audience, we do have some. Why don't you just take a second to pass along the details of how they can find your podcast? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, I would go to the Birds on the Black uh, iTunes page. And, you look, I, I highly recommend that no one follows me, that you don't listen to me. I'm kind <laughs> of a maniac. Uh, I, I am, I'm usually off the chain. There's no telling what I'm going to say, especially because – I'm sure you have respectable people that follow you. Like I am, I am a deviant. You want nothing to do with this, but the rest of the rest of what happens at birds on the black is amazing. And you should check that out uh, because uh, all of our, all the podcasts are awesome. as are the articles that, that the staff puts out there. It's a wonderful. And I shouldn't even, I'm lucky to be a part of it and I shouldn't be a part because of how much of a mess I am. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to being at the ballpark tomorrow night to check out the Cubs and the Cardinals. So I think there's probably going to be four or five guys I called in the Midwest League. They're going to be involved in that game, so that's always fun as well. But, Kyle, thanks for you do, what you do. Your Twitter follow is a lot of fun. I'll say that. And and thanks for jumping on to talk about the state of the minor league system. Greatly appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me anytime. You bet. That's Kyle Reese, birdsonthe The state 
of the Cardinals system. They have a lot of good young hitters coming. Pitching is to be determined. It is 5.52 at WSBT. If you're... Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 